This is the Christian Life Centre podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Amen, amen. Well, so good to have you today, and I am thankful for those that are watching online. Thank you for joining us. I know you got a lot of choices and options, and you're here today, and I believe it's because God has a powerful, powerful, revelational word he wants to give to you. Today, we're going to start a brand new series, and we're calling it Relationship Reset. Relationship Reset. We're going to be looking at, uh, with some biblical lenses, we're going to be looking at what is true biblical friendships or relationships. What is it that the Bible shows us that are true and authentic? Biblical relationships. Now, I got to tell you, biblical relationships are essential. They're important for your faith. They're important for you and I as believers. And I just believe, I'm convinced that we need a reset in our relationships. I just do. Especially after the last 18 months, we need a reset in our relationships. Too many people see their faith as something that can be developed alone or off in isolation. But Jesus shows us something different. And that is your relationships are formed, they're they're developed and they grow in community, in a spiritual community of believers. And that is something that you can't do alone. You can't develop like what God really wants you to develop, your faith like he wants it to be in isolation and alone. And so this is so important for us. Now I'm gonna warn you, there's a lot of scripture today But the scriptures are actually the points of the message. So I'm not going to have to expound on them. I'm going to let God's word do it so that we can soak it in our spirit. Is that okay today? Would you just pause with me? And let's just, before we jump into the word, invite God to speak to us through his word today. I really want you to do that. I want you to ask the Lord. Today's message hits everybody. Every one of us. It's already been hitting me all week. It'll hit our pastors. It'll hit you. This message today will impact everyone that listens if you will open your heart. So I want you to do that with me right now. Say, Lord, I come to your word today and I ask you to speak to me. I ask for revelation. I pray you encourage, strengthen, challenge, convict through your word today grow me in my faith. Today, I pray, God, that your anointed word will be powerful. It will penetrate into the very depths of my soul. And all God's people said, amen and amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready for the word? Are you ready for the word? Well, let me tell you, biblical, true biblical relationships don't just happen. They're not automatic. It's something that we have to be intentional about. We have to focus. And this is why this first message is so important and it's essential. Now, for me, I like to start with what does the Lord say? What's the, what's the, the standard? What has he set for us? And it goes all the way into the book of uh, John, where Jesus is going to show why biblical relationships are so important. John chapter 13 and verse 34, 
he shares with his disciples. Now, I want to read it from the Message Bible because it just rings a little bit different for us. He says, but let me give you a new command. They used to live by an old command. Now, the old command, I'll explain to you in a moment, but just so know, he's saying, I'm going to give you a new command. By the way, this is the Last Supper. I mean, this is the day before his death. These are his final words to the disciples. So in those final moments of someone's life, they usually share what's most important to them. And here Jesus is saying, here in my final instructions to you, I want you to know what is so important. Why? Because you're going to need it. I'm not going to be with you any longer, and you're going to need to understand what I'm about to share. I give you a new command, and it's this. Say it with me. What? Love one another. You didn't say it loud enough for me. Say it again. Love one another. Now, those of you at home, you get the comforts of home, but I still want you to engage with me. So everybody at home, say it with me. Love one another. In the same way that I loved you, you love one another. For this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when you love one another. They will see the love that you have for one another. So he's telling us why this is so important, and it's because if you love one another, then it will be how everyone else will recognize that you are his disciple. And he said the condition is when we really love one another, others are going to see it. You see, the core, hear me today, the core of Christianity is love. We cannot forget that the core of Christianity is love. It's a love for God, yes. And that's where most people focus on. Their whole spiritual journey is about my love with God. But it goes beyond just a love relationship with God. But he says, listen, others will know that you love me, that you're my disciple by not how many memory verses you've memorized, not by how many classes you've taken, not how much you give. They will recognize and see your love by your love for one another. Now, why is it a new command? It's because the old command in the Old Testament is you love one another how you want them to love you or how they are loving you, you reciprocate it back to them. So someone invites you to dinner, you invite them out to dinner, at another time, you're reciprocating back what's been shown to you. You love how you've been loved. You do unto others as they do unto you. That's the old command. Now, quite honestly, I just, why do I think we need a relational reset? Is I think, I really think in the church, we're living under the old command and not the new command. I am convicted of it and convinced of it. We have drifted back, and I'm going to prove it to you in a moment. Because it's so easy to sit in a service like this and be pious and, and religious and, and, and be in a place like this and say, Pastor, I got that. Give me something new. But the problem is, why do we need a relational reset? Is because we're living by an old command is I love others as they love me. As they do under me, as I, I'll do under them, as they do under me, as, as I want them to love me, I will love them. And I live by that. And Jesus says, no, no, no. The new command is you love one another as I, Christ, have loved you. Now, what's different is Christ's love was sacrificial. 
Christ is love, and we're gonna talk about it. Christ's love was something where he gave his life. His love was one where he put others, and you and I put others above ourselves. Others become the center. God first, others second, me third. Say it with me. God first, others second, and me third. But the old command is me first. Okay, okay, okay. God first, me second, then others third. And let's be honest, that's how we live. Let's be honest, social media promotes that. Social media is about me. It's my selfie. It's what I'm doing. It's what I have to say. It's my word, and it's about me. And Jesus says, listen, 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 listen. The old command is that, but the new command is you love others. And I'm gonna show it to you in a moment. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do the, the, the fibrillator on us in a moment because we need a reset because we've drifted. And it's so easy to drift and, and we go back and, and we get back to where we really shouldn't be at all. So Jesus says, the mark of Christianity, the signature that you're my disciple is the degree that you love one another. It's powerful, it's challenging. Powerful and challenging and, and yet Jesus is saying this is what it looks like. I can, I can see Jesus on that night He's, he's about to be crucified. He knows what's coming the next day. He's about to send them out on mission. And he says, I'm going to give you what's most important at that last supper, that, that dinner that he's having in those final moments. It's the most important teaching and sermon that I can give to you. And that is love one another as I have loved you. Now, the, the early church understood this. The early church lived with it. We're going to see it in a moment over and over and over again. One of the values for the early church, and it's one of our values at Christian Life Center, is that we've got to love one another. We've got to connect. We say connect together. But in that is the loving one another. Will you say that value with me? Say connecting together. That's one of our values because it's rooted in loving one another. So our purpose, I'm telling you straight up, one of our purposes in every fall we push at this is that our purpose is to help you find and form true, deep, biblical friendships and relationships. Say it with me. To find and form deep, biblical friendships. Thank you for the five of you that repeated with me. Deep I know I had thousands online, but in the room, they're just taking it in and they weren't with me. Deep, I gotta, I gotta find them. I've gotta form them. And the problem is it's, just, it's not natural. It's not automatic. It's gotta be intentional. It doesn't come easily. I mean, let's be honest. So often, it's, it's about what am I going through? My worries, my cares, what I need, and, and, and my own interests, and, and, and how does it affect me? that I don't, I don't focus on others and I get so self-centered. Self-centeredness will get into the way. When I look at the life of Christ, Jesus had several circles in his life, circles of relationships. Now, this is not in your notes. You may want to put it in a note section uh, if you're taking notes in the app, and I hope you are. But he had several rings of relationships. The first ring in Jesus' life was what I'm gonna call the crowds. Say the crowds. The crowds were the outermost rings 
of association. In fact, the Pharisees, they were astonished by the crowds that would come. They were very loosely committed. They would follow, they would listen, they would watch, but there, there wasn't a real commitment to Jesus. I mean, they weren't in the upper room with him. It was the crowds. Whatever the wind uh, of, 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 of the politics of the day or whatever the, the feeling is of the moment, that's where the crowds were. They're cheering for him on the triumphant entry and they're crucifying him a week later. That's the crowd. That's the crowd. I mean, they, they were there, but they really didn't have a relationship with him. Personally, that's probably uh, a social media for me. I mean, it's this circle of, a I don't even want to call them acquaintances, but you know, there's this social media link, right? There's hundreds and hundreds. There are people that maybe we work with, people in our neighborhood, places uh, uh, that we visit quite regularly. I saw one of my neighbors this morning as I was walking the dog, and, uh, and hey, how are you doing? I mean, and it was just like seconds. There's no depth. There's a, an association, but we don't get Get beyond the surface level ever, ever, ever. And many times with the crowd nowadays, uh, with social media, you don't even talk to them personally. Let's be honest. It's just, just all a link and a like and a, and, a, and a casual acquaintance. Jesus had that circle. Then the next circle, Jesus had what was called the 5,000. Now the 5,000, they would come. They would sit for ministry and teaching and and worship. Jesus was there to meet their needs, their struggles. He was there to to help them with their spiritual hunger. It was the 5,000. In the church, I would say that's the congregation. That's, that's those that come. They're, they're there for ministry and teaching and worship and, and, and my needs and my struggles and, and my spiritual hunger is being met. In fact, in most churches, I think they're in this circle right here. Most believers in most circles or, or most church, churches are in this circle right here. They come. They receive teaching, they worship, they receive ministry, their needs are met, and they're in that circle. For many, they don't ever move out of this circle because the next circles that I'm about to talk about require deeper levels of commitment. And if I'm going to move out of the 5,000 circle, the, the congregational circle, into the next circles... It's going to require something from me, a sacrifice that I've got to make. The next circle in Jesus' life was what we're going to call the 70. Say 70. Now, the 70 were those that went out on his mission. They went out on mandate. They didn't just listen to his teaching. Their needs weren't only just being met, but they were sent by him and they moved from observation to participation. Say observation to participation. They were sent by him to carry his mission. Now, if I talk about that in the church setting, I think it's those leaders, it's those volunteers, it's those that are serving the ministry of God and they're being sent by God. And my prayer that this next year is that everyone that's in the crowd will move from that circle into the circle of 70. Can I hear an amen? I just pray that that will be a a, a distinction of our church is I'm moving from the crowd. I'm bringing somebody out of the crowd. I'm bringing somebody out of the 5,000 and I'm being moved into a circle of 70. And man, 
Christian Life Center, whatever your gift is, we've got a circle of 70 for you. We've got, we got a ministry place for you to find fulfillment and joy. And man, when you're serving in your gifts and your passion and that joy rises up, it fuels you. If you've got intercession and you're ministering in that gift, if you're an outreach-oriented person and you're driven to touch those that are hurting and walking through pain, we got a spot for you. You love children. You love, and I could go on and on and on. It's the circle of 70, amen? And let me just say, we need you. The kingdom of God needs you. And I pray you're gonna step out of that crowd, the, the, out of the, uh, the 5,000 crowd, and you're gonna step into mission for the kingdom of God. But then there was another circle. The next circle for Jesus was the circle of 12, say 12. Now, the 12 is what we think about the most. That was his disciples, this was the band of brothers. This was, this was those that, I mean, they walked together, they lived life together, they journeyed together, they got more intimate discussions with Jesus. It was that group of 12. Now, we like to call the group of 12 around here the life group. The life group, it might be 12, it might be seven, it might be 15, but it's a group of individuals that aren't just serving in mission, but they step into a circle of 12. And I love it. And boy, we got all kinds. That's what I love about Christian Life Center is we've got all kinds of groups, couples groups, men's groups, women's groups, young adult groups. I mean, we even got youth groups. Uh, uh, we got all kinds of groups. We got a group for you that meets on any day of the week pretty much that you need to meet on in the type of group. I love it when there's such a variety. And last night, I'm, I'm writing uh, uh, probably what's going to be like a, a I don't know, a, a magazine or something. Uh, I haven't told my staff yet, but I just told them. We're going we're gonna to do like a magazine or something, and I'm calling it The Big Dream. Say The Big Dream. And all my staff are like, oh boy. <laughs> Pastor Nadine's like, okay, that's my execution piece, right? The, the, the big dream. And one of the big dreams for me is that we have a life group in every zip code of Broward County. A life group in every zip code of Broward County. And we don't right now. I know we don't. But I pray, and that's not a hard big dream, but that we have a life group in every zip code. Why? So that everybody can be connected to a group of 12. Now, okay, for my online folks for a moment right now, I know you're online and, and I get that you're online, but let me tell you, it is so important for you to move from the crowd, from the 5,000 of an online audience into a group of 12. And even, even in your online experience, you can have that. You can be in a group of 12 and man, you can be studying the word, growing deeper in the word and it is powerful. Okay, the next circle from the 12 and few enter into these next two circles. Hear me, few believers go to these next two circles. We might get to a circle of 12, but the next circle is the circle of three. The circle of three in, 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 in Jesus' life, Peter, James, and John, they were there. They were the innermost circle to Jesus. They were up close to him. They had the same experiences that he would have had. They were there. They, they, they saw. They, they begin to understand and see and hear and feel what Jesus went through. They were with him. Man, it's so powerful, and it's a moment where we understand that moving from a 12 into a circle of three relationship with one another takes us to a deeper level of intimacy and 
experience. Now here, this is what I... This is what I want you to know, because for many, they don't know they need it until they experience it. So all I can tell you is you need it. You need it, you need it, you need it, and I hope that you'll trust me and move to experience it, is that every one of you need a circle of two or three. The circle of two or three, and I'm going to talk about it in a moment, it's true biblical friendship. It's, it's, it's a relationship that goes to a whole deeper level, and we're going to discuss it in just a moment. The last circle that Jesus did have is Jesus had out of the three, Peter, James, and John, he had the one. Do we know who that one was? It was John. That's right, John. John had some kind of relationship with Jesus that that Peter and James didn't have and that the uh, the other disciples didn't have. John had it. Now, it shouldn't be a matter of jealousy. It might be chemistry. It might be like-mindedness and mission and purpose. It might be just godly. God has knit you together like a Jonathan and a David. You're knit together. I mean, Jonathan was the, the prince of the king, and here's David, the little scroungy shepherd boy, the youngest of all of them that should have never been the king, and God chose him, and Jonathan saw the anointing, and there was a bond that was there. You see, the reality is very few, and I'll definitely include all of us men, and for many women as well, they don't have the one. The one knows you. The one sticks with you. The one is there with you. And thick and thin, they're there. For couples, you don't maybe have another couple that's with you. That walks with you. You vacation together. You enjoy being together. You pray together. You have relationship. Few have it. When you look at statistics across America, even though we're more connected socially than we've ever been, we're less connected relationally than we've ever been. We need this one, another couple, one that gets close, one that's there. And you may say, well, my spouse is that, and that should be. But you, you probably need somebody other than your spouse. Because if you're like most marriages, you're going to have times where there's a rub with you and your spouse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There, there's just a little bit of rub. And you need somebody else to give you perspective. Because you're not going to accept your spouse's perspective. Because there's already a rub that's there. And so you just need someone else to say, yeah, yeah, she's kind of right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of makes sense. You know, what, what are you doing? You know, someone that says... You know, uh, why are you doing that? Why did you say that? Why are you going, th- you know, what, what are you feeling? You know, someone that just gets into that circle. Now, I'm going to run out of time. I know I'm going to run out of time. But in the last part of this message, I want to give you practicals. And I'm going to take you through scripture to give you the practical ways we do it. But let me make a point for a moment. The issue in the church is not all, it, not all circles are the same. The expectation is every circle will be the same but they're not the same. You see, you don't get the same amount of time and investment and friendship and revelation and mentorship or care if you're in an outer circle and not in an inner circle. You don't have to amen it, but it's true. It's what happens. So Jesus didn't give the crowd the same level of ministry that he gave to his 12, his disciples. They saw, they experienced, they were with Jesus. They did and saw things that the crowd never saw. You see, Jesus ministered more to uh, the 70 in ways that he never ministered to the crowd. 
And yet he had a relationship with the three that the 70 didn't even get. They didn't have that same level of care. Now here's the heart moment, and I want you to hear me. I want you, I want you to have an honest moment, and I want you to see. I think we're missing what true biblical friendship is. And we find ourselves in the crowd and in the 5,000 wanting and desiring an inner circle. And we're not going to get that inner circle because we've not moved from an outer circle into an inner circle. And it requires commitments. Too many are out in the crowd and they're unwilling to move from the crowd to the 70 or the 12 or even into a deeper relationship. And yet they want that relationship of the two or three. They want the relationship of the one but they're not willing to move. Many times, many times what we want, we're not willing to give. We're not willing to move. We're not willing to make a commitment. And then when we're in the crowd, we're in the 5,000, we get offended if we don't get treated like it's just true. And I'm just telling you the truth. We get offended when we don't get ministered to or get care or get focus or attention like the 12 get or the three get or even the one may get. And we take offense to that and we let that offense become something that sticks in our hearts and we find ourselves then bouncing from church to church, place to place, never developing any depth of relationship because we're always seeking for something and yet we're not willing to make the commitment and the effort. It's not automatic. I intentionally have to move towards it. And then let's just talk about a reality the reality is for many, there's not enough margin in their life. So they don't have margin to have the, the relationship of a three or a 12 or a one. So why do most stay over in the crowd in the 5,000 is there's no margin in their life. And so all they have enough time to do is come to receive ministry, to receive teaching, to receive their needs and their hurts and their wants met, but there's not enough time, not enough margin. There, 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 isn't, uh, uh, there, there isn't maybe even any desire or conviction to move to an inner circle. Now, can we just take a breath for a moment and go, wow. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. If anybody, I need a breath right for a moment. This would be a good point that my wife would come and finish the message and I could just like take a breath. Oh, she's ready. <laughs> she hasn't seen the notes, but she can preach this sermon. There's no doubt in my mind. So we need a reset in our relationships. We need a reset. And I don't want to just fly through a bunch of notes. We walk away and say, that's a great sermon. Or <laughs> I've heard that before, whatever you would say. <laughs> Man, I want us to have a moment. You know, out on our, our walls here in the building, we have these AED defibrillators out in the lobby. And those are used when <laughs> somebody stopped breathing and we need to just shock their system. Well, I'm gonna click through some things that are gonna be just a shock moment. And honestly, we need it. I need it. We need it. You need it. Don't sit there. Please don't listen to this with a pious attitude as I got this. Because the reality is Jesus is about to show us, the early church is about to show us what is true biblical friendships look like. So turn to your neighbor and say, he's about to shock you. <laughs> You're about to get defibrillated. I don't know how I say that, but it's about to happen. So I want to walk through a few things. And, and it's not that I'm speeding. 
But I'm going to use a different style of preaching today. Hear me. I'm going to use the scriptures to define the point. And I'm going to link several scriptures on each point to help you see what God's word says and what the early church understood. Why did they understand it? They were in the upper room with him. Why did they understand it? They heard his dying breath. They heard it. And Jesus is saying to you and I, this is a new command. Man, we're known for our outreach. We're known for missions. We're known for what we do in our community. We're known for great worship. But you know what I've never heard about CLC? Is that's a caring church. Now maybe it just hasn't gotten to me. And I'm not saying we're not a caring church. But you know, I would like that to be the lead in most, church, in most statements that I hear is, man, that church cares. They love one another. They love God and they love one another. And that's not a condemnation because I'm not saying we're not, but I'm just shocking us to say, let's look at what Jesus says. Are you ready? Okay, what does true biblical friendships look like? I got about 11 minutes. I'm gonna share it with you in 11 minutes. Are you ready? That gives me a minute and a half. Don't put your timer on, but about a minute and a half for each one. True biblical friendships are built on frequency. Say frequency. By the way, this is the easiest of the eight. It's frequency. We move from an outer circle to an inner circle, but to move to an inner circle requires frequency of gathering and being together. Acquaintances are occasional. It's the superficial. It's the few words. But true biblical friendship and relationship moves us to a regular regular time of bonding and connecting and being with one another. Look here at what the scripture says. Hebrews 10.25. Let us not give up the habit, circle it, underline it, the habit. What's a habit? You do it frequently, over and over and over again. That's what makes it a habit. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us what? Encourage and not discourage. Encourage one another. Now, this is the starting point. You're not gonna get to the others if you don't get this. You're not gonna have deep, biblical, true friendships and relationships if you don't get this point, and that is there's a frequency of getting together. I listened to a, 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 a success coach that I listened to quite regularly this week, and he said he went to a high-scaled, uh, uh, high high-paying uh, opera event in Miami uh, a few weeks ago. He was up in the balcony, and as he was up in the balcony, he looked down, and everybody in the balcony, as he looked down, everybody on the floor, the program hadn't started yet, everybody was on their phone. Now, they've paid a lot of money, they've dressed up, they've gone out to this event, and they're together, but there's not focused attention. And the problem is now, time together isn't the key anymore because our devices divide and separate and silo us. Now it requires focused time and attention, and it requires frequency. If you have a life group and you're meeting, you know, and you miss a week, most times in spiritual growth campaign, we meet six weeks, six weeks in a row, but then for the rest of the year, we meet every other week. Well, if you miss one week, it's going to be a month before you see them again. Now, if you come back together next month and somebody else misses that, now it's going to be six weeks or two months before you see them. You will never go in deep biblical relationship like that. You will never get to the depth that you need. 
You've got to get regular. You've got to have a frequency. We have a small group that all through this pandemic and COVID season, every single week after the sermon, in the afternoon, they listen in person, online, but then in the afternoon, they get together in a Zoom format to talk about the message, to apply it. They do it every week. They've done it for 18 months. And the life group leader told me the other day, we're stronger and we've ever been our relationship relationships are deeper than they've ever been and it's because of frequency can i hear an amen look at the next point acts 246 they worship together regularly at the temple each day regularly they met in small groups they met in homes for what communion they shared meals together and there was great joy I love that, and man, I can't wait to get past this pandemic stage that we're in because they shared meals together. Anytime I get together with people, you can see it, I share meals with them. I mean, we get together, we fellowship, we eat together. There's a worshiping together, there's a communion together. And what does it do? It brings great joy because we're together. The group of 12 were together on a regular basis. Look what Paul says to young Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2:22 Enjoy the what? Companionship of those who love the Lord. Those who love the Lord. So take a moment and just evaluate. Just be honest, just evaluate. If you're taking notes, maybe put a a, a score. One one is not so strong, not not doing very well, and five I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing on meeting with a group of 12? Or go even deeper. Maybe you have two scores, a 12 and a three. Do you have a three? Do you have a group of three? Do you have a one? How are you doing on frequency? You gotta determine to be consistent. It's got to be a conviction, not a convenience. Let me say it again. It's gotta be a conviction, not a convenience. The second principle for biblical relationships is authenticity. Authenticity is I'm not going to fake it. I'm going to really share. And that moves from the 12 to the two or three, where I'm determined I'm going to take off a mask. No pretending. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to push out of the silo and out of isolation. And I'm going to be authentic and real. Let me share a couple of scriptures. Romans 1, 12. I want you to help each other. I want you to be with one another and help one another. I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong scripture. I'm gonna get that in one minute. Romans 12, nine. Love from what the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Love from the center. First John 1, seven. If you live in the light as God is in the light, we can share fellowship or have relationship with one another. But if we claim that we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and the truth is not in us. Look at the next one, James 5 and 16. James 5, 16. Admit your faults to one another. I would say to that group of two or three, to that one you might not feel comfortable in the group of 12, and we're definitely not going to bring you up on stage and let you do it to the 5,000. We're not going there. That's not our tradition, but you need to do it with the two or three. Can I hear an amen? You got to be sharing with one another so that you can be what? 
healed when you share with one another. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.2. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. The whole truth on display so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. All right, last scripture. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is full of what? Living power. It's sharper than the sharpest knife cutting deep into the innermost thoughts. It exposes us for what we really are. So take a moment, just say, an evaluation, one low, five high. Are you being real and authentic? Do you have a group that you're opening up with? You're sharing, you're praying. Now, I'm not talking about when it's prayer request time and you say, yeah, uh, my boss's wife is struggling with COVID and we need to be praying with her. We need to be praying with her, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, hey, man, I've been, I've been going through this. I've been walking through that. And that's why I say you might not be able to do it with the 12, but you need the two or three that you can do it with that you can pray together, that we can take off the mask. We're not pretending and that, that we're wanting to be real and authentic. So one, I'm not doing real well. To five, okay, I'm doing pretty good. And then just begin to say, God, how would you have me to go? Number three, number three. I'm running out of time. Anyway. Number three, this real biblical friendship is built on Mutuality. What is mutuality? Mutuality is that there is, a, there is a back and forth relationship. Have you ever felt like you were the only one that was sharing? Have you ever felt like you were the only one that was opening up? Had a friend one time and, and I would always open up and I would always share. And I would say, I'm going through this. We're walking through that. This is happening. And then, hey, what's happening with you? And then, well, I'm good, and, you know, work is good, and, you know. And it was just like no depth, and, and, and week after month after year went by, and it was just like there was nothing that's there. And then when a difficulty hits, there's no depth of relationship because there's not been a mutuality that's going in it. Now, again, you might not be able to do it with the 12, but you've got to be able to do it with a group of three or one. You've got to be able to share with one another. Look here, Romans Romans uh, says, uh, uh, Roman, am I in the right scripture? Uh, Ephesians 4.29, speak only, uh, I'm sorry, I keep messing up my, 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 my notes here. Let me get to my iPad. I'm sorry, my fault, my fault. Romans 1.12, I want us to do what? To help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and I love what Paul says, and my faith will help you. Man, that's a defibrillator moment. I mean, your faith helps me. My faith helps you. Hebrews 3.13, keep each other on your toes so sin doesn't slow down your reflexes. How do you do it? Well, you got to have mutual accountability. You've got to have mutual encouragement. You got to mutually honor one another and lift up and encourage. That's how you build it. And there's a lot of great scriptures there. Let me go to number four. How do you build deep biblical friendships and relationships? Evaluate yourself on mutuality, but it's linked. Number four is you've got to build biblical friendships and relationships on courtesy. 
Now, let me tell you, this is probably the hardest one I'm gonna mention in our moments together, that there is a mutual respect, there's courtesy for one another, respect even in our differences. We may disagree, we may, we may see things differently, we may not have the same thoughts and opinions about everything, but do we show respect? And what I'm seeing many times in the church world at large is there's not courtesy among believers. And why is this so important? It's because we're to be Christ-like. We're to be Christian first. Christian first. My ethnicity is second. My political opinions are, 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 are maybe third or fourth or first, you know, whatever. I, you know, my job, my education, all of those things are sidelined to the point that I'm a Christian first. Now, what does that mean is I've got to have Christ-like attitudes, Christ-like actions, Christ-like, you know, uh, uh, love, sacrificial that comes out. You know, my word posts, my social posts, are they Christian or do they divide because of my opinions and what I think? And, and the problem is so many times is that we don't strive in an understanding to say that we've got to show courtesy to one another. Do you know that we can disagree and still walk in unity? It's beautiful. We can disagree and still walk in unity. Look what the word of God says here. Titus 3, 2, believers shouldn't curse, curse anyone or be quarrelsome, but they should be what? Gentle and show courtesy to everyone. 1 Peter 2, 17, treat everyone that you meet with dignity. Why? You're a Christian first. Nigerians and Haitians and, and, and Jamaicans and Haitians and, and Nigerians and Asians, you know, whatever, whatever our nationality is, it shouldn't matter. We're Christian first. And that's got to show dignity. Our ages are different. The pigmentation of our skin is different. Our upbringings are different, but we've got to treat everyone with dignity. Churches are like families and we're to love one another like a healthy family is supposed to love one another. Now the problem is, is we have a lot of dysfunctional families today and they don't know what love looks like in the family, but the family of God is a family that loves one another. Can I hear an amen? Romans 12, Romans 12, 10, be devoted to each other like a loving family. Excel in showing respect for one another. All right, last one to the next point. Romans 14, 1, I like this. Message Bible, I like the way it says it. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you see them. So if they don't agree with you, Paul's saying, welcome them with open arms. Embrace them. They may be totally opposite of you in a lot of thoughts, in a lot of opinions, in a lot of ways, but you embrace them with open arms. I know this is the hardest one, but man, it's so true. Don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinions, but weak in the faith. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. You know what the secret is, by the way, of this? Is the more you understand somebody, 
The more you understand their upbringing, you understand their temperament, you, you understand their circumstances, the more you understand their past, the more you're gonna treat them with courtesy. The more you hear their story, the more you are together and you share life together, the more courteous you're going to be. The problem in the church, and I've been around the church for many, many, many years. I've been in the church over, over, I shouldn't say it, but over 50 years I've been in the church. I've been preaching for almost 35 years. You know what the problem is? I'm gonna just say it straight up. Is in the church, we try to fix everybody's problems. In the church, we can very easily get pious and religious and tell people what they ought to do and should do, and we're trying to fix the other purpose and uh, other per- person, and, and we're, we're trying to, you know, we're just trying to tell them what's the right thing to do, and it's, it's, it's good that we're spurring one another on, but unfortunately, we're not listening when we're trying to fix the other person. Now, for those of us that are married men, you, you understand this. We do this with our wives all the time, right? I'm gonna, the men are gonna tune me out here in a moment, but we do this all the time. Our wives come with a problem, and, and before they're done talking, we, we've got it fixed. We know what to do. We know where to go. We know what to say. We, 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 we've got the answer. Amen, guys. If you just listen to me, you, this problem would be over. It'd be done. And she said, don't fix me. <laughs> don't fix my problem. You know, just listen, right? And so now I've gotten to be so good at listening. Candy's like, will you fix the problem? <laughs> will you do something, please? You know, But we try to fix things. And the reality is we don't hear and understand. Okay, last few I'm gonna wrap up. Musicians, come on back uh, for me. Even when my time is short, I feel like I'm wearing you out with the defibrillator. So I'm gonna pull back here in a moment. Amen? Real friendships are linked to courtesy, links to the next one, and that is sympathy. Say sympathy. As holy people, as holy people, as saints, godly people, Christians, the family of God, whom God has chosen and love, be sympathetic, be kind, be humble, be gentle, and be patient. What's the definition of sympathy is that you affirm the feelings, that you understand, affirm the problem and the pain, that you, you can enter in, you're sensitive. Now, For many of us, this may be hard, but it's a call of our spiritual life and it's something he says, all holy people who are chosen and loved by God. First Corinthians 1226, if one part of the body suffers, all parts of the body suffer with it. Romans 12, 15, love with your happy friends. The Message Bible, when they're happy, laugh, I should say, with your happy friends when they're happy, share tears when they're down. Galatians 6, 2, share each other's troubles and problems, especially in a group of two or three. Share your troubles and your problems. And in this way, you will, you will fulfill what? The law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? Love as he has loved you. Romans 12, 9, don't just pretend that you love. Really love them. 
1 John 3, 18, our love must not be with words or mere talk. See, when you're in the crowd, it's easy to say we love. But when you get in a group of three, you gotta show the love. You know, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but writing this message, I was reflecting back a few years when Candy and I went through a very, very difficult time, a very hard time. Our son had gotten into an accident and he was in a coma. And as I was writing this message, I reflected back who showed up. Now, I don't take offense, but who showed up? Who were supposed to be the closest to us and who was there? People that we maybe had done lots of meals with, lots of dinners, lots of vacation time. Who was there? Now, I'm not judging if anybody that's here, that's why I said I shouldn't have said it publicly, but it, it made me stop and say, when have I had not shown up? In my needs, we get so used to being over here in the crowd in our relationships that we got to press to a 12, we got to press to a three, we got to press in on those relationships. And it just hit me that, Lord, where I've not shown up, forgive me. Where I've not been there. Now, as a pastor, the challenge is, is I'm loving the crowd, the, the 5,000, and I'm ministering to them. And I want to love everyone equally and the same. And it's a stretch for all of our pastors because it's impossible to do it. But that's why there's groups of 12. So that we can show up and we can love one another. And the problem is, is it the defibrillator moment if we're not doing it? then it's a reminder that we've got to do it. No guilt, shame, condemnation, but a conviction and a determination that says, okay, Lord, forgive me that that's the way it's been for me or for us, but God, that's not how we're gonna be known. That as a church, as a person, this is what I wanna be known by, that I loved as you loved. I don't pretend I really love them, Look here, 1 John 3, 18, our love must not be just with words or with talk, but something that's active and genuine. Can I say amen? All right, I'm sorry. Let's close here. Father, as we come to the end of this service, to the end of our time, there's other points that, are, that, are, that, are, that reinforce it, but God, today I think we've got the message. I think we understand. For those that are taking notes, our hosts will throw it online there. For those that are taking notes in the auditorium, they might throw the last few points up for you. But we understand, Lord, today, we understand that we're being called to deep biblical friendships and relationships. So much has been said. I know it's a, a fire hydrant of your word today, God. And honestly, I could take weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks just to talk about this. And maybe we should because it's a defibrillator moment. It's a moment that we gotta shock ourselves. We can't use our, our temperaments as an excuse. We can't use our political persuasions as an excuse. We can't use the, the busyness of our life or family as excuses. We can't say, well, it's just my family. I'm just focused on family alone because that's not biblical. Yes, family has to be a focus, Lord, but not exclusively only 
to the exclusion of others in our faith journey. Father, all I can say is forgive us. All I can say is forgive me, Lord. It's so easy to get caught in our our temperaments. It's so easy to get caught in the busyness of life. It's so easy to get overwhelmed with so much that's happening to neglect what's most important. The world will know the greatest outreach that we could ever have. Lord, you're telling us is not to feed the homeless, as good as that is. To distribute 500,000 meals over 1,000 pounds of food, as wonderful that is. The greatest outreach, Lord, you tell us is to love one another. Why? Because the world will see and they'll desire and long for it. Lord, I pray that you'll help us. Give us humility. Give us, oh God, a, a desire to walk in unity of purpose. Lord, help us, I pray. Lord, I pray that as we come into the spiritual growth campaign, today is a day that just kind of is a moment that we understand why essential, important it is. But I pray that in the spiritual growth campaign that Father will make the step. That there'll be a determination that we're moving out of the crowd, out of the 5,000 congregational level, and we're moving to a 12. We're moving to a group. Why? Because we need it. We don't think we've needed it, but today I pray that we feel and sense the the urging that we need it. And I pray, God, that something will be different this year. I pray this in your wonderful name. And all God's people said, amen. Can we give the Lord praise? Hallelujah. To all of our online folks, we love you. We're so thankful that you're with us. And we just, wanna, uh, we just wanna pray God continues to do a work in and through your life. And it's harder for you. You're in an online environment, but you gotta strive to move to a group of 12. And I pray that you'll join us. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.